If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find and open to Acts chapter 2. We are going to be in Acts chapter 2. All right, Acts follows what are called the four Gospels, and the Gospels kind of share what Jesus' ministry looked like. Acts is a, a, basically a sequel to the book of Luke. The same guy wrote Acts, and he just continues on saying, all right, well, this is what Jesus' life looked like. Acts is, what does it look like after Jesus? What does the early church look like? Uh, I'm just so glad that we can gather together today. Uh, I have a, a journal at my house that I write in that is, uh, maybe you've seen these before, you just write a few lines each day, and every year it, it, you keep writing for five years. And what it does is when I go to the end of my day and I write down what my day looked like, I get to see right now what the last two years looked like on that exact same day. What I was doing, what was going on, it's just kind of a cool thing. And right now, everything that I'm writing, think of a year ago from right now, I'm looking back, and we were having church and Easter online, we were gathering in our homes and watching a service, and I just kind of had this hit me like, man, I want to be in a place of gratitude every time I get to show up at church, and I get to be with my church family and, and see each other, like, that's something I don't want to take for granted, uh, because it wasn't very long ago that this wasn't happening. I think there was a long season where, where many of us took that for granted because it just was, Sunday was church. You could, you could drive down the road and pass seven different churches that you could walk through at any moment. And, and right now we're in a season where I'm just kind of remembering that. So, so today I'm going to be starting a new series uh, for us. We're going to be going through this here in Long Prairie. Uh, and we are calling it this, From Me to We. All right, From Me to We. Uh, a line that you'll hear on our stage just about every Sunday, uh, you would have heard it this morning already, is this, that we consider ourselves here at River of Life Church a church family. All right, we, we consider ourselves a church family. Now, being a church family doesn't just happen because we come together on Sunday mornings and sing some songs together and listen to a sermon. All right, there's so much more to it than that. Uh, there, this needs to intentionally happen in our lives. If you want to be a church family, we could just say that word and say we're a church family, or we could actually try and do this. So I want us to spend a few weeks to look at what does this look like? What does it take? What do we need to do if we want to be part of a church family? Uh, and I've been feeling in my prayer time uh, just that, that this idea is so crucial for us right now as a church. You know, we've finished this big building project that we were in, and things have kind of been crazy for the last few months. Uh, it, maybe you don't know this, but when, when we look around here, there's, there's a lot of new faces that we did not see a year ago in the church. Uh, a lot of people that I still don't really feel like I know really well yet. And in my prayer time, I've just been feeling like God's saying, this is vital for us as a church. This is vital that we build relationships, that we truly have this idea of a church family, that we don't just say this. This is, this is crucial to everything else that we are going to do. So I want us just to be ready this morning for God to just kind of speak to us, to challenge us, and just say, all right, what, what does this look like for us in this room to be a family? So let's do this. If you can, if you're willing and able, uh, why don't we stand across the room? I just want to pray before we move on with the rest of our service uh, and just kind of ask God to uh, just fill this room as, as we just listen for his words this morning. So God, 
We take time right now, and, and we're pushing aside distractions, getting rid of everything else, because we want to hear from you. So God, we just pray, Lord, that these, these are not my words, Lord, that, that you would just speak this morning to every single one of us. God, and, and that it truly would, would be life-changing for us. How it should be every single time we open your word and we're in your presence that our life should be changed. So we just ask that this morning in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. All right, in case you didn't know this this morning, uh, we are in the United States of America. All right, maybe check with the person next to you. Did they know that? All right, if not, let's, let's maybe have a sit down afterwards and we'll make sure everything's fine and, and no one got a concussion on the way to church this morning. All right, we are in the United States of America and the U.S., uh, we run our economy as, uh, you've probably heard this term, uh, capitalism. All right, we are a capitalistic society. That means that the production of goods and services uh, in our country are primarily done by private companies who often will compete with each other. All right, that's, that's kind of a very simple version of what capitalism is. So here's the nice thing. In a capitalistic market, uh, you can usually get what you want. Because uh, if a company is creating a product, but the general public wants it a certain way or they want it to be different, uh, either the person producing that product will change to fit what the people want, or another company will pop up and start making a better product that people like more, and that first company will probably go out of business, right? Like, that's kind of capitalism. Like, we, we usually get what we want, um, and, and I think that's kind of a, a, a good thing, all right? But the private sector is competing to try to get us, the consumer, to buy their product, so they will tailor everything about it to what we want. Maybe not just you as an individual, but what the majority wants so that we will buy it. All right, because if I'm not satisfied, I will move on from that product to another one, something that I'll be more satisfied with. And I, I sort of like that. Over time, most things, I think, kind of get better because of that. Things will change for the better. And I like the idea that if, if I don't like the food at a specific restaurant, I can choose to not go there again, and instead I can go to a different restaurant. The problem is, is I think we like this idea of capitalism competing with each other probably a little bit too much. Uh, and, and we've taken this economic model that we live in, and we have began to apply it probably unknowingly to other areas of our lives where it shouldn't be applied. So if you have a friend that lets you down, oftentimes it's sort of easier just to kind of drop that friend and find someone else, right? Instead of repairing that relationship, you can just be like, uh, you weren't a great friend. I'll, I'll find someone else. Right? And, we, and we do this kind of in relationships. Maybe sometimes that's good. Maybe they're a bad friend and you need to find a new friend. All right, we can do this with our job. If we aren't satisfied with our job, we can leave to get a different job. All right, again, maybe sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, we see this in romantic relationships. We leave a relationship because it isn't exactly what we were hoping for. That person isn't what we were hoping for. Again, maybe there's times that that's good, uh, but we're seeing this in marriages. People don't feel like they are satisfied, so they leave in hopes of finding something else, something better. Right? And, and we're seeing this all the time. And there are times when it is best to walk away from something because it's unhealthy, because, because it's bad. But, but too many people are refusing to put in the hard work for a friendship. Uh, they're refusing to put in hard work to have longevity at a job. 
Uh, and, and they're just moving from one thing to the next. They're throwing in the towel on a romantic relationship and just moving on to the next one. And they're walking away from marriages because they bought the lie that what's most important in life is that we have everything we want and desire. And, and we've taken this idea of capitalism and a free market and we've applied it to all sorts of different parts of our life where it's not healthy. And this idea of moving from one product to the next to find what fits our desires has absolutely become part of the American church. All right? And the result of this is something that you would call consumer Christianity. Consumer Christianity. And what that is, is I am the consumer of Christianity and I am the consumer of church and I show up and you should do everything that I want. It should be tailored exactly to me. And if I don't like it, then in capitalism, I will just move down the street to another church and I will keep going around until I find the one that satisfies me and what I want. That is, that is consumer Christianity. All right, consumers ask, what do I get out of a church? Why should I go to church? What's in it for me? And this mindset is a massive part of what is leading the American church into this, this ugly, lazy, capitalistic version of what Jesus actually intended his followers to look like. So I want us, what I want us to do is to take a look at what did the church look like at the beginning of this whole movement? All right, when Jesus commissioned his followers to change the world, how did they set out to do it? So let's open up to the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at the end of Acts chapter 2. Uh, Jesus' disciples, they spent three years with him as he traveled the countryside. Uh, he healed people, he taught crowds and met their needs. And during this time, they went everywhere together. They shared everything, they pooled their money, they grew close together, they had amazing moments together, uh, and they had plenty of fights amongst themselves as well. All right, now after Jesus' ministry comes to an end, he's crucified. He is risen from the grave. Jesus spends a little bit more time with his disciples. Uh, and Jesus told his disciples, go to Jerusalem. All right, and I, and I want you to wait there for a gift. During the festival of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, fills the disciples, and this changes everything. Peter gets up and he preaches to the massive crowd at the festival of Pentecost. And we see that 3,000 people come to, to believe in Jesus. So what are the disciples going to do with all of these new people? Well, it appears that they are committed to continuing to live in a, same, uh, a similar way that they did when they were with Jesus. All right, so let's, let's read Acts 2, starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we have a picture here of what the early church looked like. Now, it's obvious uh, that this does not look like our church nowadays, Right? And you will find some Christians that think that our goal should be to go back to the early church. That's what we should look like. All right, let me tell you this right now. All right, let's get, let's get this out of the way. If, you are, if your pastor, if I or anybody else ever get up and tells you, you know what, I want everybody in the room to sell everything 
and we're going to pool all of our money and I'm going to buy a chunk of land in northern Minnesota and we're going to build our own town and we're going to move up there. We're going to live together. All right, you ever start to hear those words coming out of a pastor's mouth? Run. Okay, like just don't even wait for the end of the message. Get up, walk out. No, I'm not doing that, okay? Like this is not how we live anymore, okay? It's, they lived in multi-generational homes and all, all this. This was not new for them to pool resources, uh, to rely on each other, things like that. All right, it was a different time, different culture. Uh, we can't just always take it at face value. But I do want us to think about this type of church. Uh, how could this possibly translate to our setting and our context 2,000 years later? All right, when we see what they're doing, the benefits of what uh, they were doing, the drawbacks of this community that they had, we can probably see some of the same benefits and drawbacks today in our modern churches. So verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. The early church had these four things. This is what they were built on right here. This was the foundation of what they did. These four things. It says they devoted themselves to these. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now before we start going down the road of thinking that like we need to perfectly copy everything the way they did it, I want to make sure that we keep a little bit of big picture mindset in what is happening here. All right, and that matters because uh, seeing things from a step or two back helps us to translate those things into our culture. When you get too close to things, you begin to focus on the individual details and you can kind of get lost in what God's doing. All right, so anytime we get too close to what's happening, we can focus a little too closely on those details. So yes, each one of these four things are important, and we try to have a focus on each one of these in our church here. All right, and I would argue that almost every church in America, whether it's growing, God is moving, or it's just sort of chugging along, or it's dying, they are still trying to do these four things. Like, think about those four things. I think almost everybody is doing that. All right, and... I don't think we can just emulate these four things and everything's going to be fine. I think there's more to it than that. I think in this case, we need to take into account not just what they did, but how they did it. And I want to read this whole thing again, and I want all of us in this room to just kind of take a moment. I want you to sit back. Maybe you need to close your eyes, keep them open, and read along. However you focus best. All right, I'm going to read this passage again, and I want you to actually picture what's happening as if like I'm kind of B-roll behind a video screen of you watching the early church do these things. Okay, so let's take a moment. I'm going to read this. I want you to picture this right now. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Are you picturing this? They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So you see a big dining room table, people sitting around it. And all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I want to ask you a question. All right, and I'm not looking for anyone to answer this out loud, but just kind of think about this in your own head, Okay. Think about what you just imagined and how you pictured it. At any point in your mind, 
Were you picturing a single person by themselves? At any point, did you picture a, an individual, just nuclear family by themselves? At any point, did you picture some people quickly running into this five minutes late and being there and then thinking, oh, I got this to go to and running out at the end? When we look at things in the Bible from a few steps back, it allows us to take in the full picture more than just the words. And, and I think God wants us to see the full picture here, to imagine what it was like to be part of this story, because the reality is we are still part of this story. We are still part of it. They didn't do this alone. It was together as a community, as a family. Now again, we don't all live together, and we don't all have one bank account, and I'm not arguing for that. And our understanding of a family model isn't the same, all right? Again, they would, in the first century, they would have had, in most homes, they would have had multi-generational families. They would have had people constantly uh, coming in, moving out. They would have had uh, new babies being born all the time and people dying. People didn't live as long. Like, this was a constant kind of big group of people. They were way more comfortable sharing their lives with large groups of people and depending on others. It's, it's just how they lived. But what does this look like in our context? How do we live life together? Not just how do we show up on Sunday morning and hang out for 75 minutes. How do we actually live life together? Because this matters. This matters. From what I can tell, this was a huge deal to the early church and really played into the fact that others wanted to be part of it. But in our world, we live very separate lives. We don't have as many multi-generational homes. We enjoy our privacy. We like to rely on just ourselves. All right, we want to be with others, but we also want to be able to retreat into our own lives. We have, uh, you know, you, you drive home from work and you have an attached garage maybe and you click the button and it opens up and you pull in and you shut the door and you get out and we just, we have our own lives. It, it's the way that our society is. All right, and as Americans, we love our independence. <laughs> we have a day to celebrate it and that's awesome, but the idea of relying on somebody else is really difficult for a lot of us. So how do we accomplish the closeness, the community, and family mindset that helped the early church thrive and the kingdom of God to change so many lives? That's the question. How do we do that in our context? And this is the point that I want to make today. In order to move from me to we, you have to share your life with others. Some of you guys are like, well, duh, like, that's such a simple statement. I know it is. And yet, how many of us in the room truly feel like we are sharing our lives with others? Not just our family, not just our closest friends, but we truly, we look around the room here and we would say, I am sharing my life with other people. It's making daily connections with other believers. We have to go from just thinking about ourselves and what's best for me to including others in how we think. When I think, what is best? How should we do this? I shouldn't just think me. I should think everybody in this room. What is, what is best? How do we do this? For everybody. The word we, all right, really basic English lesson. You need more than just you. <laughs> Otherwise, it's you. We has to be multiple people. You can't be on your own. To be part of a church family, you need more than just you. You need more than just your family. I would argue you need, you need more than just a select few families. And, and this is how God meant it to be. All right, what did, what did God say to Adam back in Genesis? It isn't good for man to be alone. 
And all through scripture, I'm, I'm not even going to pull them up because there's just so many of them. There's verse after verse that talks about this idea of community, of being together, of sharing life. But because of the world we live in now, we have to be intentional to do this. Our world is fighting for your time and your family's time. All right, you're told that you need to work this many hours to get the money you need to live the life you want. And if you want to go further in life, you need to work extra hours. You need to put in overtime. You're told that your kids need to be given every opportunity possible if you're a good parent. All right, and only by doing that will they succeed. Every sport, every extracurricular, every job opportunity for your kids, like that's the world we live in. You're told that you need to take vacations, get away, spend time recharging, do a couple's getaway. Like, all right, there's no end to where you should be spending your time. Some of this is, is good. I'm not arguing against any of these things in moderation. But when we devote our lives to any of these, we're losing the idea. So when we decide to try and throw church into this big mix, you know, showing up for 75 minutes on Sunday, I think... Uh, you know, that we think this should be like a miracle cure in our lives. Like, I'm going to go to church, and it better do something in my life. And if I don't feel like it's doing something every time I walk in for me, then there's no purpose in this. If we don't see immediate results, we want to move on, blame the church, say we aren't being fed, you know, whatever the line might be, that no one is focusing on us, that we have other things to be doing on our weekends, and it creates this consumer mindset that we are talking about at the beginning today, where everything gets focused back on us and what's best for us. If we really want to see the benefit of church, if we want to see the benefit of being a family, we have to be all in. We have to be willing to be part of something when we aren't always seeing a benefit of it just for us. But maybe, just maybe, somebody else is benefiting from you being part of it. Right, this, this is where we grow together as a community. This is, in a small way, the idea of sacrificial love. And that's what families are built on, is sacrificial love. That's what the entire gospel is based on. Sacrificial love. And I know that churches have their problems and people don't get along, uh, but why are we surprised in this, all right? I mean, that's a guarantee in every family that you're going to have problems. People don't get along, all right? Last weekend was Easter. Some of you guys are already having flashbacks right now to last weekend. Oh, yeah, I could tell you some stories is kind of what you're sitting there thinking. All right, and we, we run into problems in community. And the epistles, all the, all the next books of the Bible that follow Acts show us that. It's literally letters being written saying, you have a problem, let's sort this out. That, that's what the rest of the Bible basically is, is sorting out these problems. But you know what? I've read through the epistles, and not a single one of those authors, at any point that I can remember, tells an entire community, ah, this seems to be too much work. I think you should give up. I think you should throw in the towel on this community idea. There were moments that they had to walk through very rocky things. There were moments where they had to address issues in their community. I mean, all sorts of crazy things. Like, we think we have problems in church. 
Like, there, there was a guy that was sleeping with his mother-in-law, and you're just like, and Paul's trying to talk to this, like, okay, come on, hold on here for a second. This isn't right. Like, there was problems. And we need to look at, what do we do? And we're, we're actually going to do that in this series. We're going to have a week, we're going to talk about how do we address it when problems happen in our church family? What does that look like? But today, I think we need to just go super basic, super simple, and obvious in our action step. Share your life. Let others in. Invite others in. All right, Paul says this amazing line in one of his letters. And this has been a key verse in my life. Uh, I absolutely love it. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Paul's talking to this church, and he's talking about the relationship he's had with them. And he says this, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Like Paul's sitting there saying, hey, we could have just popped in, we could have told you what Jesus did, and moved on to the next one and kept doing that. But the reality is, is we loved you so much that we weren't satisfied just stopping with 75 minutes on Sunday morning. It needed to be more than that. We loved you so much that we gave up other time to focus on each other. We loved you so much that we shared our hurts, our pains. We shared our successes, our victories. We loved you so much that we were there when you needed us. You were there when I needed you. We loved you so much that we shared our life with you. This isn't just surface level. It's so much deeper than that. All right, we, they didn't just pretend to put on a smile, pretend like everything was all right because they're going to church. We need to allow what is really happening in our life to come through in these moments. All right, and, and, and actually, when we walk through these doors, people should already know what's going on in your life. Like, you shouldn't be like, I need to cover up this terrible thing that happened this week to go to church. I would even argue that, like, Sunday morning isn't the first time that, that our church should be there for each other. Hopefully, when something happened, you've already contacted somebody, you've called somebody, you've, you've messaged them, you said, can we grab lunch? You're doing life together, and you already know what's going on in their life. And when they walk through the doors, all that's needed is just a, a massive hug that just says, hey, I understand that this week has been rough. Come sit with me. Let's just spend time praising God together. That's what it means to be a family. It's not just showing up on Sundays, spending a little bit of time together, and then talking about the idea that we have crazy weather because we live in Minnesota, right? Like, that's, that's the go-to small talk in the foyer. Like, what does it look like to go beyond that, to be deeper, and to truly have a life where we're saying, hey, what's, what's God been doing in your life? This is something Ken and I have talked about a lot. Ken has said that. He's like, I love going up to people and saying, what, what's God speaking to you right now? What's God doing in your life? It encourages each other. It challenges each other to be like, oh, whoops. Yeah, I was a little busy this week. Apparently, I didn't listen to God at all. And that's, that's an, okay. That's a good thing to say, all right, this next week, I'm going to focus more on that. 
It's completely different to be actively involved in each other's lives. So if we try to do the consumer Christian thing, uh, if we try to just find a church that makes us feel good on Sunday mornings, uh, and we show up when it's good for us, we leave when we no longer feel like our desires are being met, you won't ever be part of a church family. All right, And you can't expect to see the things that God did in the Bible happen in your life. I'm not saying that they won't happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. But if you aren't actually actively engaged and all in in the way that God chose to do this, I mean, he chose to do this through a church, as imperfect as a church is, that was God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. It's us. That's how he chose to do it. And if we want to be used by God, if we want to see God move, we want to see things happen in our life, we have to choose to be part of that. Carrie, you can come at this time. I, I want us to take a moment of self-reflection this morning. I want you to stop and think about how you've been uh, approaching this idea of church. Every single one of us, not, not thinking about the person next to you, how has my spouse been approaching church? That's right, remember jabbing them with the elbow? Remember how I had to roll you out of bed this morning and get you here? You know, that, that's not what we're doing right now. All right, we are thinking individually, each one of ourselves, how have you been approaching this idea of church? I have this, this spectrum that's going to be on the screen behind me here. All right, very simple. All right, and on one side is this complete consumer Christian, right? Like I show up when it works for me, I show up when I want to, and I'm going to just pop in here and there, and I'm going to get something out of it for me, and if I don't get something out of it, I'm probably not going to be back for a few weeks. All right, then, then maybe the next time I go, and oh, that, that was a little better, they kind of, they seem to be taking some of my advice, church is getting better because they're listening to what I wanted. So maybe I'll go two weeks in a row, but then I, I don't want to get their hopes up. I'm going to disappear for a while again. You know, or whatever this consumer Christian is, why don't you have this ministry for me? Why don't you have this for me? I want to be doing this. Why isn't the music this way? Why don't things get handled this way? Because that's what I want to see. That, that's consumer Christianity. That's what that is, consumer Christianity. On the other side is this completely self-sacrificing, others-focused, family-oriented Christianity. All right, now the reality is, is most of us probably aren't completely on one side or the other. Most of us are somewhere in there. But I very purposely put a little dash in the middle. And here's my only stipulation. You cannot be on that dash. All right, we all like it when someone says, can you rate this on a scale of one to five? Perfect, three. Right in the middle. It's easy, it's non-confrontational. Wasn't good, wasn't bad. All right, no, like, where are you at? This is a scale of one to four, one to eight. I don't care, pick an even number, all right? Where, where do you fall? Where do you fall in this? What are you wanting Sunday mornings to be? Are you satisfied with, with what it is now for you? Are you satisfied with the amount that God is moving in your life? 
with the amount that God is moving in your family? Are you satisfied with that? Or are you wanting to see more and you've been wondering, why am I not seeing more? Why does it seem like it's been years since I've heard from God and seen him move in my life? If you're wanting more out of church, which I would suggest, because we're all giving up a Sunday morning, like you could be somewhere else right now. All right, like if you're gonna do the consumer Christianity thing, I don't even know why. Like I might as well just get my Sunday mornings back. If you're wanting something more, shouldn't this time be worth it? Otherwise, eventually you're gonna wake up on a Sunday morning and you're gonna say, what's the point? I don't really know why I go. There's nothing in it for me. It's not worth it. And that's just gonna be the end of it. Family is one of those areas. You get out of family what you put into it. All right? You get out of family what you put into it. And church is a family. We believe that our church here is a family. We want it to be. And if you don't feel like this has been a family for you, I want it to be. And I would love for you to come and find me this week. Let's, let's sit down, let's talk. Like, how can this be more of a family? But you better believe that that conversation is not going to be geared towards, if you walk in guns ablaze and saying, well, this is what I want, this is what I want, and you should be doing this, you better know that that's not how we talk in families. So what does it look like for you to take a step closer to being family-oriented? That's the question that you, you need to reflect on right now. You need to answer for yourself. What does it look like to take one more step further? No matter where you are on this, everybody's step right now is probably different. One is not better than the other. All right? A step forward is a step forward. What does it look like for you to take a step? What does it look like for you to do a better job of sharing your life with others? Can you be intentional and have, grab breakfast, lunch, coffee with somebody? Purposefully be, be communicating with somebody on a weekly basis. Set up something in your calendar that has an alarm. Contact so-and-so to see how they're doing. What does it look like to share your life more? So I want us just to take 30 seconds right now. Eyes closed or whatever you need to do to remove the distractions. Just say, God, what does this look like for me to take a step further into my church family? If you're visiting today and you're from another church, I want to challenge you. I, I know that your pastor would love for you to stop and think right now. What does it look like for me to take a step deeper into my church family in regards to your church?
how many of us in the room this morning feel like God is speaking something specific to you today? Maybe that is, maybe at this point you've only heard you need to take another step and you're still asking God, what is that step? Or you need to talk to somebody else and have them help you come up with what that step is. But how many of us in the room would say, I, I feel like God is speaking specifically to me this morning? I know this, this has been on my heart. I love people. I love being around people. And over this last year, that's been incredibly difficult. Especially coming to a church, being a new pastor in a new town, not feeling like we really know many people. And then to kind of feel like we had a year just kind of stolen from us of getting to know people. Oh, this, this has been heavy on me. I need to be sharing my life. I need to be spending time with people. God, I pray this morning, Lord, for every single one of us. God, that, that we would find a way to be all in in a family. God, if we're going to give up time on our weekend, if we're going to just go through the motions, we might as well make it worthwhile. We might as well be part of something bigger than ourselves. Be part of something that, that we can benefit others and in the same way we can grow God, we know that being part of a family can be hard, but it, it has so many benefits to it. So God, I pray that we would just be challenged to do life together. One last thing before we go. We always want to take an opportunity to say, maybe you're here this morning and you don't feel like you're actually part of the family of of God, maybe not even just the, this this church body, this this church family. You'd be like, you know, I, I just don't really even know if I'm there yet. I don't know if that's where I'm at. But maybe this morning you started to feel God speaking to you and saying, there, "There's something more to life than just what you're doing. There is something more to what could be happening in your life, and it all is centered and focused on Jesus." Jesus gives us that purpose, gives us that mission, gives us that drive in life. And this morning you're sitting here and you're saying, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to live for Jesus. I want him to be the ruler of my life, to be the leader of my life. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity just to slip a hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out, anything like that. I want, to, I want to pray for you. And then I'd love for you to connect with me afterwards. It could be in the foyer. It could even be later this week if that's more comfortable for you. But the reason why I say that is this is not something we can do alone. We, we just got done talking about that whole thing. This, we need each other to do this. This is too difficult to live this life by ourselves. So if that's you this morning, you say, I, I want to take a step towards the direction of God this morning. I want to ask you just to slip your hand up quickly. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I want us to do this. I want us just to pray this together as an entire church. There's something about doing something together that makes you feel like you're actually part of a community. And 
Hopefully most of us in this room have made this decision before. We've probably said something similar to this. And I want us to take a moment and do this together as a community. So if someone's doing this for the first time, they know that they have just joined something that is bigger than just them and bigger than just their voice. So would you just repeat with me this morning? Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking away my mistakes. I want to surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate that. That's so good. That's the best decision we can ever make. It's so important in our life. I want us to do this. Can we just stand kind of across the room? And I just, I just want to pray over our weeks as we get ready to kind of leave this place and hopefully put some things into action, take some steps in our life, and, and not just see our life get changed, but the people that we come in contact with this week at our work, at our home, with friends, neighbors, family, coworkers, whatever it would be. God, we just pray over every single one of us, Lord, that you would go with us from this place. God, that we would be sensitive to your, to your leading, to your voice. God, that you would speak to us this week. Lord, that as we leave here, Lord, that we would know that your presence is going with us. And God, I pray that when we interact with other people, that they would sense that they are interacting with something more. God, that they would sense your presence even just through us, through the way we talk, through the way we love them, through the way that we talk about others and choose not to talk about others in certain ways. God, that they would see that, they would hear it, they would feel it. And that you would be glorified because of it. We ask this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today, uh, today guys. You are dismissed. <laughs>